Hey guys, this is Sarah from Engage Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast today. Subscribe to our podcast channel in iTunes so you'll get sermons as we upload them. We would love for you to leave comments and like our podcasts in iTunes as well. If you have any more questions or want more info about Engage Church, check out our website at engagechurchduluth.com. Enjoy. Good morning, everybody. How is everyone this morning? Good. Well, I'm Pastor Josh. I want to welcome everybody watching on Facebook Live here. Is technology awesome or what? We get to just be connected uh, around the world. I mean, there's, uh, there's people all over the place uh, watching on Facebook, and so we just want to say thank you for being here this morning. It is a good morning. It's sunny. It's December. It's above, you know, 18 degrees in Duluth, Minnesota in December, right? Yeah. This is an awesome day. So, yeah, uh, I, I just... Honestly, this is, uh, this morning, as always, you know, we're a mobile church, and so we set up, we tear down, we're moving around, all those kind of things, and, and this morning got a little bit, I don't know, it's just kind of normal on a Sunday morning, but it's kind of a little bit hectic at times, but you know, I had an opportunity to uh, sit back and, and worship and listen to the music and, and uh, worship God. My wife gets to be out here today, usually she's in with the kids' ministry, it's been since June, so she got, that, since she got to be in this service, so that's awesome. And, um, and anyhow, it's just, as I'm sitting back there, I, I just, every week I get kind of overtaken by just how awesome I think this local church is. I really do. I'm, I'm just so thankful to be a part of this. And I, I know I say it every time I say that, I kind of say, I know I'm the pastor, I'm supposed to say that, but I would just rather not say that if it wasn't true. I really mean that. I, I like you guys. And, um, and it's just a blessing a blessing, a blessing to be here. And the, the, the thing that's been so powerful in the last couple of years is just to see the life change. You know, just to see the life change in people and, and the joy. And we're hearing stories of, you know, that of people that just didn't want to be a part of church or didn't really want to have anything to do with God. And, and, and their lives are really changing in that area. And they just feel this, this joy, this peace. And, and um, they're getting through every day. Some of their anxieties are going away. Um, when I hear stories like that, I just, I get, ex- I get excited. And so I just love being a part of this local church. I want you to know that, that this is a blessing that I get to be uh, here every week and, and uh, be with you guys. So I just wanted to say that this morning. We're continuing on in a series that we're, we're actually finishing up today. And um, it's, it's been a, a fun series for me because we really are just continuing to talk about one life. All right, like that's the series that we've been in, and it's our final message today, and, and One Life is really the, the entire thing that we've been talking about, and what I love about that, why I've been excited about that, is because more than anything in the universe, more than anything in the universe, God cares about one life, very individually. God cares very individually for one person, one life. I, I mean, he's so specific on that. I mean, he, he wants everybody. And, and that's what we're really going to talk about today. And what does that mean that God would care so much for us, that one individual life, one life at a time? What does that really mean for us? Well, that means that he knows about you. And I know that some of us this morning were like, whoop, let's hit the brakes right there because I don't know if I want God to know too much about me. Hey, I've been there. We've all fallen short. And Jesus said that he came for the sick. Not the healthy, 
He's a doctor, and this is a hospital bed, and the relationship with him is about being healed and moving forward and freedom. It's not about shame and guilting you and pushing you down and rules. It's about a relationship with our creator, and he wants you. So what does that mean? It means that he cares. He knows very much about you. He cares about you individually. Uh, you know, if you're a student, an adult, a married couple, a single person in here, he very individually cares for you. And that just excites me this morning. I mean, that's not, that's not something that we just like walk by and just kind of like, oh yeah, I guess that's it. That's the creator of the universe specifically cares for you. What else does that mean? When, it, when, it, when we mean that, when we talk about one life, that he cares for that one life, everyone. What does that mean? It, it means that, yes, us individually, but it also means that he cares for people all over the world. So there's that person that maybe is in an oil rig off the shore of the North Sea somewhere. He cares very specifically for them. Maybe it's a, in a village in Haiti right now where there's kids gathering and people gathering and they're, they're waking up and they're, you know, they have their goats and they're, they're going about their day very differently than us. He cares very much for them. If you're sitting in a high-rise apartment in New York today, he cares for you. It just means that he is all over. He cares for everyone. Every single life matters to God. And so in some way, shape, or form, every single life should matter to us. Plain and simple. That's why this message is just incredible. It's incredible because it, it, it really puts us in this perspective of who he is, who his character is, that he is just full of love and grace and mercy, and who we're intended to be. We're intended to mirror that. We're intended to be those graceful, merciful people. I want to tell you a story about uh, a couple named uh, Kevin and Faith Winkler. They actually attend this uh, church. They're not here in service today. And I apologize, I don't have a picture of them this morning. Um, but Kevin and Faith, they were, uh, they were a couple that, let's see, Engage, this local church, is in February, we're stepping into our third year. I can't believe it. It seems like we've been around a couple months, but we are. We're stepping into our third year come February. That's really exciting. But Faith and Kevin, they were um, a couple that they have always believed in God. But there was just some things that happened in their life that took them away from a local church. They were hurt by the local church because it became about laws and, and rules. And so when they weren't living up to what that particular local church thought they should they kind of got shunned, and it was like, you know, they got letters in the mail, and, and it was kind of, you know, just not very relational. It's like, this is what you need to do. You need to get your hair right. You need to dress right. You need to be these people. You need to give this much, or else you're, you know, you're not good for the local church. That's not what Jesus says at all. Jesus says, I love you right where you are, but I won't leave you where you are. And we're meant to grow. That's good news for all of us this morning. So Faith and Kevin, here they are. They go about 10, 15 years of their life, and they stay away from church. They stay away from the local church. And, and we had this time when we first uh, gathered here, we had this mega church launch. I mean, it was mega. We had a whole eight people right here, up here, just huge, right? And so we had to come up with some things of like, okay, how do we get other people inviting people? And, and we called it Invitation Nation. Right, and we're, we're doing that right now, but what Invitation Nation was at that time was literally, will you please just invite somebody, because eight people, like, we need some momentum here, right? I'm just being honest with you guys. Like, it was eight people, and Tim was one of them, and that's kind of a rough sell to some people, you know what I mean? So, love you, Tim. Um, 
<laughs> I usually cut his legs out at least once every sermon, and I'm on a roll. I got to, you know. So anyhow, you know, we, we did this thing, Invitation Nation, and it was all about invite somebody. Just bring somebody to service, right? And, and we had a, a, a family couple here, and they invited Kevin and Faith because it was their neighbors. That simple. It was just a, a quick little, like, you guys need to come. This, this is really cool. And, um, and I don't know what really made the nudge to where they decided to do that after so long of saying no to the church, but they did. And what happened is it's really their story, so I don't want to go too far into this, but God did something in their heart, something that none of us can do. I mean, we welcomed them, we embraced them, we were like, man, we're glad you're here, and please come next week, because we need to get this up to 10, at least 15 people here. And, and so they were, you know, they came. But what happened in the process of the last two years is Kevin and Faith, we, we got a chance to marry them, right? So, so they're, they're now a couple. We got to walk through some, some situations with their kids and, and, and custody, things like that, of, of other relationships, and we were the church in that. We, we embraced them, we loved them. And we just joined them in that. And we prayed with them and we didn't judge them. We've seen Faith and Kevin be excited about their local church and invite others around. Some of you are here today because of Kevin and Faith. We've seen their children that are like 10 years old and younger after service up here when we have the kids ministry up here and, and we're downstairs. Their kids, like six and five, are pushing chairs and serving God by breaking down our service. They've been baptized. It just gets me excited. They've been baptized. They're serving God. They've given him their life. That is not an uncommon story, but we think it's impossible sometimes. And their story isn't over. They're still messy just like all of us. They still need Jesus, and they still keep coming every week, except I don't know where you are, guys, but you're not here this morning, so I want to call you out on that. I'm just kidding. They're, they're with family. It's, it's fine. I'm totally joking. Um, but every life matters to God. Every life matters to God, and that is not an uncommon story. I mean, when you think about somebody to invite to church, who comes to mind just right away? I know there's somebody. I know there's somebody, but right with that idea of somebody who comes to mind, we're usually met with, they won't come. They won't come. They're too far away from God. You know, I don't even know if that person really likes me, let alone me, you know, invite them to my home or invite them into a church service, whatever that is. And we're just met with that. It's this, it's this uh, just thing that stops us, whatever that is, that pops into our head almost immediately. And I want to challenge you, this is what we kind of talked about last week, is that I want you to consider the fact that maybe God has put those people around you on purpose. Maybe God's put those people around you on purpose. That is not by accident. He will strategically place you around people who need him, who need him. And and we're we're always going to have that challenge. And I want you to ask yourself this question. How could a relationship with Jesus Christ potentially change that person's life? The one that he has strategically put you around. How might that change? You know, one of the things that I often have to remind myself is this. I wrote this down. Is that I have to remind myself, don't focus on who they are now, okay? But focus on who they could be through faith in Christ Jesus, So all of us, we have that, you know, we're thinking about like, man, Josh, when you said that, my boss came to mind. 
but I, I'm just kind of telling you where they're at. I mean, that, you know, that, that guy, that girl, whatever, they are not in a spot where I would you know, invite them to church. What I want to say is don't focus on who they are now. Don't focus on who your boss is now. Don't focus on who your mother-in-law is right now or your father-in-law. Or your sister-in-law or brother-in-law, we all know family gets messy, right? Don't focus on who they are now. Don't focus on your son, your daughter, your father, your mother, your co-workers, your classmates. Don't focus on who they are now. Focus on who they could potentially be through a relationship, through faith in Jesus Christ. Because that faith changes people. That changes people. And some of us would say, you know, um, we just say, you know, there, there's, there's opportunities at, at church and, and, and there's, there's, um, there's an opportunity for me to invite them, but I just don't really know the words. I don't know how to be excited about that, Pastor Josh. I mean, I know that you're, you're talking about inviting people and it seems like a lot of work. And I don't do this often, but I really do want to challenge you guys in this area with a comment like this. When we go to a movie, that we really like. I mean, Spider-Man Homecoming was solid. I just love the kid that they cast in there. It was awesome, right? I mean, some of you maybe haven't seen that. Great movie. I did not hesitate to text some of my friends, maybe shoot something on Facebook, give a, give a buddy a phone call, and just say, like, how awesome of a movie that was. You've got to check it out. Uh, restaurants. You know, I mean, I like to eat. I mean, I like to eat, honestly. If you want to invite me to do something, just mention food, and I'm probably going to be there. I, I will clear schedule to go have some food. Um, but, you know, restaurants that we go to, we, we don't hesitate to, you know, uh, check in on Facebook and tell everybody about it, and this is what to order, and this is a great spot, and the atmosphere was good. But oftentimes, as Christians, I'm talking to the ones that have accepted Jesus as their Savior, we have the best thing in the world. We have freedom through Jesus in our sins. He's alive in us. We, we carry him with us wherever we go. His presence is around us. And yet we hesitate to tell people about this gift. We hesitate to tell people about this hope. We hesitate to tell people about a local church where families are being changed and people are being baptized and their life is taking a different course. We hesitate. I just want you to think about that for a minute. Don't sit in shame, don't get into guilt, but just consider that. Consider that challenge. And I want to show us a, a part in Scripture, this is really where we're going today, is that when we think about inviting, when we think about evangelism, when we think about sharing our faith, like whatever you want to say about that, when we think about that, I want to say this. It's very simple, but it's not easy. It's very simple, but it's not easy. We're going to see that it's actually very simple to invite somebody, to bring somebody to church, to invite somebody into our lives and, and just start to work towards a relationship. Okay, it's very simple, but it's not easy because we, we do, we struggle with that anxiety. We struggle with where they're at. We focus on where they're at now, and we need to break that and focus on where they can be through faith in Jesus. Right, that that's where I'm getting at today. And so, what I want to what I want to pick up on is in um, John one. But I want to talk to you a little bit about where this is at. Jesus in this in this narrative here, Jesus has just started to reveal himself as the Messiah, 
as the savior of the world. He's just kind of starting to speak out in public about this. And, and he's brought on a couple disciples, Andrew and Peter are two of them. And he's just said, you know, come follow me. And they've followed him. A disciple was, uh, you know him probably in scripture more as like these 12 guys. But they, a disciple is somebody who follows Jesus' teaching. They, they listen, they try to mirror Jesus. That's a disciple. And so he had, he had talked to two guys and he says, come and follow me. And this is Andrew and Peter um, have made the decisions to do that. And now it picks up and there's an interesting kind of conversation that happens that I want to talk about. In John 1, 43 through 45, it says this. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. So he's starting his earthly ministry. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Be my disciple, right? Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one. We have found the one. Um, Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now you have to understand when Philip comes and tells Nathaniel, his buddy Nathaniel, like, hey, we found the one, right? The one that Moses and the prophets um, had written about. This would have been an extremely hard thing to believe. Because scholars actually say that Moses wrote this about the, the Messiah in the law about 1,400 years prior to this account. So now Nathaniel, you know, we, we read scripture and we kind of think like, okay, that happened and then the next day this happened. It wasn't like that. It was like 1,400 years. 1,400 years. That's a long time. But I think with common, uh, you know, modern science, we can maybe get down to living that long. I'm just kidding. That's not where we're going today. Um, so that is a long time. We can kind of fathom that, right? I was kidding about the science thing, guys. Like, don't blow my email up. It was a total joke. Um, so anyhow... So the one that was written about, this, is, this would have been very hard for Nathaniel to grab because it's like, man, my whole entire life, you know, I've been a, I'm a Jewish man and I've, I've, I've heard the, the writings and, and I've, I've heard the stories about this coming Messiah. I, I've, I've heard the teachings and I've been waiting. My grandpa's been waiting. His grandpa's been waiting for the Messiah. So when you just say like, hey, yeah, by the way, um, over here just having, you know, a sarsaparilla at the coffee bar. Um, we just found Jesus. He's the Messiah. Let's go check him out. I mean, you're not just going to be like, oh, really? Cool. Let's just walk over there. Nathaniel is having a hard time with that. And what's even funnier is Nathaniel says this in the next verse in John 1:46. It says, because uh, uh, Philip had said, Jesus of Nazareth, and, and Nathaniel responds this way. He says, Nazareth, can anything good come from there, Nathaniel asked? And I want to stop there for a second. Because what Nazareth was, it was a city. But that would be like me saying, um, that, like basically Nathaniel was really saying, Green Bay, can anything good come from Green Bay? I mean, it's just like mind-blowing. We can't imagine, that was a Packer joke. We can't, we can't imagine that something good would come from Nazareth. Because it was just this little old town, a couple carpenters there, no, nothing really great ever came out of there. So why would the Savior of the world, why would the Messiah come? He, he just couldn't believe it. And let's just be honest, who would? Right, 
1,500 years prior, this has been written about. You've been waiting, you've been hearing, you've been kind of living your life and, and, and uh, you know, going through the motions of life. And now all of a sudden your buddy just comes up and says, hey, that guy that the entire world's been waiting for is just standing over there. I want you to go, go meet him. It, who would believe that? It was a tough thing. But now this is where it is so important for all of us to understand what happens next in that same verse. Philip says simply this. Come and see. Come and see. He doesn't try to uh, recall and, and give him all this scripture and like, oh no, this is what it says here and look at, you know, the stars aligned on this day and so it's got to be and blah, blah, blah. He doesn't get into a debate. He doesn't start to tell Nathaniel everything wrong with his life and this is why you need to come over and see Jesus. He doesn't do any of that. He simply says, come and see. He doesn't say, I know you're doubting. I know all these things. You've got to come and check this out. I mean, this is a big deal just to like pass on by. That is so huge for us. <laughs> and when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching him in verse 47, it says, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching him, he said, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. There's no fault. What a, what a weird and mind-blowing thing to say to somebody. I mean, I wish Jesus would say that to me. Here's Pastor Josh, no fault. It's like, hey, that's cool. That'd be just a great thing. But what that did to Nathaniel is, in, in later verses, we don't have them up there, it doesn't matter, but in later verses, Nathaniel just says, how did you know that about me? How did you know that I'm a man of integrity like we've never met? I, I know that just my reputation, that wouldn't, you know, just by what somebody says to me, you wouldn't make that assumption about me when you've never met me. And that's how, you, that's how you have approached me, as you've, you've shown me who I am, and yet we've never met. And in that moment, in those verses, somewhere in that story, something drastically changed from Nathaniel. Somebody who had massive doubts because all logic was like, 1,400 years, I mean, everybody's told me about this guy, there is no way he's just standing over there. I cannot be that lucky, I cannot be that blessed, Right? All logic says, there's no way. There's just no way. But his friend says, you just got to come see. And as Jesus spoke one word to him, just told him, this is a man that has no fault, saw something in him, something drastically changed from doubter to follower. Not just believer, follower. I will follow you. And in verse 49, it says this, then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. I mean, just in a moment, his entire life changed. All his doubts went out the door. And here he is facing his savior. What an awesome, awesome thing. And, and rabbi was something that often uh, people would call, uh, the, the, the translation for that is teacher. So really he was just saying teacher. He was just saying, like, I am going to follow you now. Your ways are my ways. You teach me. I'm here. I want to learn. My doubt is gone. How amazing is that? Now again, Nathaniel, I just want to repeat this. He, he was a devout Jewish man. His whole entire life was wrapped around him learning and understanding the coming of the Messiah, the law and everything that that means. And that someday the Savior would come. It's kind of like where we're at, like waiting for Jesus' return. Like we're told about that. 
But a lot of us just think like, ah, it's just, you know, long off. And I'm not going to talk about when that is. Scripture says we don't know the day or the time and, the, and the, it's with the Father in heaven. That's not what I'm saying. But we live life with an urgency. We should be living life with an urgency because it could happen like this. And, and so Nathaniel, he heard all the stories of God. He believed, he believed that someday there is, there will be a Savior that comes. This is something that he believed. But then when he was asked to meet Jesus, when it kind of the rubber hit the road, and here it is, there he is, he just kind of threw up all kinds of objections. And, and you know, it was, it was 1,400 years, nothing good can come out of Nazareth. And then it happened with the simple, but not easy, come and see. Come and see. Just a simple come and see. Most of us, I would say, have somebody that's a Nathaniel in our life. Somebody has just, they've heard of Jesus their entire life. They've just, they've heard of Jesus their entire life, you know? They've maybe even experienced him. But because of their experience with God and, and maybe church was boring to them in the past, whether they were young or, or midlife, whatever that is, they just got stuck into society and secularism. And that's just kind of the, the traffic, the, the lane that they're in. And they fell, or maybe they just fell away from faith in college. Life just kind of took them another direction. They never picked back up. That's, a, that's an interesting time in life. And they just, they just can't think of anything good that would come from having faith. Like, what good? Like, okay, it just seems like a lot of work. What good would come of having faith? What good would come from going to church? These are where these, these people get. And what good is God anyway? I have all these things that have happened in my life, and I've heard that God loves me. I've heard that God's cared, but my family's broken up, and I'm dealing with this disease, and I have this anxiety, and I have this stress. And so, like, what good is God anyhow? Because I still have all these problems. And where we get as believers, in that moment when we're met with somebody like that, we just start to say, it's not easy. And we, and we put them off as in they're unreachable. They're never going to change. It's too hard. I've had that conversation five times before. Why have it another time? And we just get into this motion of that it's just, it's impossible. But Nathaniel didn't need to be sold. He didn't need to be in a debate. He didn't need to be told what to do with his life. He just simply needed to be presented Jesus. Yeah. Just come and see. Yeah. Just come and see. So my question is, who's your Nathaniel? That'd be awesome if Nathaniel is actually sitting in the audience here today. Uh, who's your Nathaniel? You know, we are, um, I guess, I didn't call it this, but we have this time... I don't know if you guys know this, but there is actually like certain times of the year. It seems kind of too mathematical, but it's true. There's certain times of the year where people are just more um, likely to come to a church service. There's more likely. And during this season, from now until the new year and even a few weeks after the new year, they are very highly likely and highly sensitive to come to a church service. A Sunday morning experience. They're seeking out something. 
And I want you to know, some of us, this time of year is like awesome. Like we have the Christmas trees and, and some of us have that money in the bank right now where we know our kids are going to have a great Christmas or our spouses are going to have a great Christmas or our friends are going to have a great Christmas and we're going to, you know, like the, the turkey's going to be great or the ham's going to be great and all that good stuff. But some of us in here, this is one of the hardest times of the year for us. And there's a lot of people out there where that is true as well. It's a hard time of year because we're reminded that we just haven't measured up to where we thought we'd be at this point in our life. We're reminded that we're still a million dollars short of a million dollars kind of thing. We're reminded, even some of us, our hearts break because it hurts that we see that it's all about commercialism and, and it's gotten away from like what it's really about. The birth of our Savior. Whatever that is, there's a lot of hurting people out there. And that when we are hurting, we usually are looking for answers. And that's why this time of year is just a, it's a great time to be thinking of inviting somebody. And so what I've done, and, and we haven't really talked about this, but uh, the, the series that we are going into, it starts next week and it'll go all the way into uh, New Year's Eve, because New Year's Eve's on, or sorry, uh, Christmas Eve is on a Sunday. And uh, we'll be here for that. It's going to be exciting. Um, we are in a series that's going to be called What Keeps You Up at Night? What keeps you up at night? And, and there's a lot of us that, like, I mean, I know me. Is it, is it there's so much to do? Is that what keeps you up at night? Is it fear keeps you up at night? Maybe it's criticism and conflict keeps you up at night. Could be anxiety. There's lots of things that we can talk about and speak into that keep us up at night. And there's a lot of people out there that need to hear about that. They need to hear practical ways that there's actually a message that can help them move past that in their life because right now they feel like it's impossible. And we have an opportunity to invite into that series. So I, I encourage you to be thinking about that. Most people are resistant, those people that we think are, are maybe impossible or a lost cause or whatever that will be. The reason that they're resistant to church is because they've never experienced a church like ours. And I'm being humble when I say that. I understand that. It's like, whoa, pastor, we're getting somewhere maybe we shouldn't. There's a lot of great churches around the area. Don't get me wrong. And I want people to plug in where they are. But there's a lot of uh, people out there that when they have this idea of a boring God and a boring church and it just, you know, and it's all about rules, they haven't experienced a church service like ours with a, with a relevant message, you know, about how faith can help them at what keeps them up at night. Because what we want to do is present faith as something practical, not something that you just say, well, yep, I have faith, and you put a tattoo on, or you put the bumper sticker on your vehicle, or you, you wear a necklace, or you just say, you know, you go to maybe a certain group or whatever, put it up on the shelf, and you just bring it down for like when the bank account gets low or your anxiety gets up here. We want faith to be something that you pull out every day. It's a lifestyle that you live practically in your life, and we can be victorious in this world, because even though Jesus promised that we will have trouble in this world, Scripture also tells us to rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice in all circumstances, we can rejoice. That's what living with faith looks like, and everybody needs that. Keep in mind that people matter, people matter to God, and so they must matter to us. Now, some of us, too, you know, that what keeps them from a, a church service would be that their experience with church in the past, a service, you know, they've shown up 
And it just happened to be that one weekend. Now, us who have grown up in the church, we may or may not know about this, and we've been to some different churches. It was just that one weekend that was like that special weekend that was like the tambourines are going crazy, and, and the guys running around with the hanky, or there's some weird kind of dance, or there's a bunch of you know kids up on stage with uh, angel wings, and they're singing, and all that stuff can be good. But they're trying to figure out what that has to do with them and why it's so weird. Why is it just weird? I, I just wanted to come. I was seeking out Jesus, and, I, and I, I was trying to get an answer, but I kind of got a show. And here's one thing that I'll promise. That will never be engaged. That will never be engaged. We will never uh, intentionally be weird. Now, time and time again, I may wear something with the lions on there, like a suit or something like that, but we will never intentionally be weird. We want to have every service with the newcomer in mind. Because even if there's one person that's their first time here today, we want them to understand that we prepared for them to present Jesus. And so there's some things that you just won't see at Engage. That's not a bad thing. That's who we feel God is calling us to do. And so I say, bring them. Don't be fearful to bring somebody here because you're worried about what they might see or what might happen. We will present Jesus in a way that is just with scripture and word, and, and that's what we're about. Right. So you might ask yourself, like, why bother? Why does this all matter? Why bother? Why does this all matter? And I just come back to this. I've said it a couple times, but it's because every human being matters to God. And in some way, shape, or form, they have to matter to us. I understand that we can't, it's unrealistic to go out and just every person you see, you know, you're, you're putting blessings on them or whatever. It's not really life, but in some way, shape, or form, we have to get that heart to where every person matters to us. We have to be there. That's a church that I want to be a part of. No matter how secular they are, no matter how addicted they are, no matter how angry they are, no matter how full of worry and anxiety how they voted, whether they're watching the NFL or not watching the NFL, all these things that we get distracted by and it turns us away from maybe just loving on a person one more time. We have to understand that no matter how far away we think they are from God, they matter to God. They matter. That's the truth here this morning. He wants to connect with them. He desires that. He wants to connect with you. Our purpose for opening the doors every Sunday morning and, and doing ministry throughout the week at Engage Church is to connect people with God and connect people with the church family. Because we believe that God wants to connect with people. That's our purpose. That's why we exist. We want to open the doors. We want to be here. We want people to connect with God. We, we will try our hardest to do everything we can to do that. That's our purpose. Our mission is to reach more people for Christ and Duluth, the surrounding areas in the world. And I will just tell you that I'm not the one that's working with your boss. I'm not the one that's having that conversation with the coworker that's going through an ugly divorce. I'm not the one that's hanging out um, on the golf course, where I would love to be, by the way, with that person that's just dying in their finances and they don't know what to do. 
God has strategically placed you on purpose and put that person around you because he wants to use you to just say, come and see. Just like Philip. Just come and see. You don't need to be a theologian, like just have all your theology lined up. You don't have to know scripture up and down and all around. Just come and see. I want to bring you to church. I want to bring you to my grow group. I, I loved it. I get so pumped about this, and I know that not everything has to do with engaged church, but I, I saw people from our church just inviting like pretty much entire Duluth to come out and play volleyball over in Superior this week on Facebook. It was just like an open invite. And people go, and you start to see conversations like I'm going to go. I, I just love to see that. There's people saying, hey, who wants to come over and play board games at my, my house tonight? And I see that on Facebook. Again, they're not stamping like engaged church on that, but they're being the church. Their intention is like, we want to meet people. We want to build relationships with people. Man, when I see that, I literally like kind of get excited. And, and I just am like, man, that is the mission. So we want to reach more people for Christ and Duluth, the surrounding areas, and eventually the world. I want to read one last verse and then... We'll kind of get moving on to the second part of this sermon. <laughs> Kidding, we're good. Um, so in Acts 8, uh, 1, 8, last week, you know, we talked about God will give you everything you need. A lot of us just feel, so number one, I want us to get out today is the fact that it isn't easy. I understand there's some emotions and there's some barriers we have to get by to talk to people. But it is simple. Come and see. Come and see. I'll meet you at the door, Right? Come to my house and have some brownies. I want to tell you about a place where, you know, you can go and be loved by people. Come to a girl group, whatever that looks like, right? You may not think that you have that in you, but I want to tell you a truth here today in Acts 1.8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem is Duluth. Judea and Samaria are Proctor, Cloquet, Superior, Two Harbors, Hibbing. And then the world is the world. We go to Haiti this uh, coming February and things like that, and we're trying to reach out. We're called to do this. We're called to be these people. It's as simple as come and see. The difficulty is kind of getting over your fear, your nudge. So I just, I pray my challenge for you this week is this. Write it down, remember it, whatever you want is spend time praying for the boldness and the courage, just the boldness and the courage to invite somebody. Whether that is to bring them to church, invite them into your life somehow. Lots of people need Jesus. Then like Philip, when the timing's right, just say, come and see and trust God to do the rest. I have gotten really good at getting out of the way of God with people. What I mean is like, you know, one person will come in a broken, all this mess, and I got a lot of people that are like, so what are you going to do with them? What are you going to do with them? They're, you know, they're, they're sinning, and, and it's kind of visible, and like, what's happening? I'm like, I'm going to trust that they're right where they need to be, and the Holy Spirit's going to do the work that he is called to do and, the, and what he is supposed to do. Because I've never saved anybody by yanking their arm. I've never saved anybody by talking to them because I get to save nobody. That's God's work. But what we are called to do is love people and bring people and say, come and see this Jesus and see your life impacted. Will you guys stand with me this morning?
inviting's important. It, it just it takes it takes all of us working together. There's something that before uh, this is a church plant, and when it started, there was something that I heard, and it just stuck with me. It's something I'll never forget. And there was a truth, and it said, in order for your church, your local church, to grow, not just numerically, but spiritually, and have an impact for the kingdom wherever you're at, in order for that to happen, your pastor has to buy into that idea and do whatever it takes. And the other thing that has to happen is the people have to buy into that idea and do whatever it takes. And one thing that I can just say at Engage is we're here, we are a church in motion. We're moving forward. We're not looking just to turn the keys every Sunday and open up our doors and just come in and have a place to, to sit and, and have a great cup of coffee. I mean, if that's where you're at, be there for a little while and be comfortable. But we're a church that's going to challenge you to move forward, to get into our city, to invite somebody, to look at your neighbors like Jesus looks at them and want them and pursue them. And then just trust that the Holy Spirit's going to do everything else. We have to be actively sharing our faith. We have to be actively moving. We have to be active in prayer. That is my challenge for you guys today. And the encouragement behind that is Acts 1-8, if you want to remember that this week, is that the Holy Spirit will give you the power. Everything that you need is already in you as you receive Jesus. That's an awesome thing. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We, we just give you this day. We give you this service. We give you our lives. I just really believe that, that we're at a spot where there's a lot of people that are just kind of over playing games, treating you like you're just an idea that we kind of pull out once in a while when we, when we need something to hang on to. And I believe that there's people that truly want to mirror you, that truly want to learn what it looks like to follow you. And where I, I just worship you and I thank you is that you really show us through your word how simple that can be. It's that we just repent of our sins, we turn away from our sins, we enter into a new life with you. And then as we do that, we just look for opportunities to ask people to come and see you. And you've brought around great churches like local churches like Engage that have a relevant message that genuinely are happy to see people and genuinely want to see people in a life with you. And through that relationship, once, once people break down a wall of fear or resentment or whatever that might be, we see families like Faith and Kevin that are forever changed because they've received you. They came and saw, and they saw that you were real and alive and active. I pray boldness and courage over these people here today that they would continue to have the courage to invite, to bring people around them, because every single person, one life at a time, matters to you. And so they need to matter to us. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Well, guys, thanks for joining us. Don't forget to add us to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. And follow us on Twitter at Engage Duluth on Facebook and on the web at EngageChurchDuluth.com. See ya.